on. Hey everyone, today's interview, we have Ava Johanna, who's a jack of all trades, former yoga instructor turned business coach pioneer. Most recently, she's launching the Academy of Breath, an online breathwork and meditation course, and also fellow podcast host of her own show, The Alchemized Life. Go check it out after you listen to this. Ava's mission is not dissimilar to ours. She wants to bring wellness to the world. Be still our hearts. Ava joined us today to tell us about her remarkable story as well as her most recent projects, Breaking Barriers and the Hardest Part of Success. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Wanna vibe? Hey everyone, welcome back to Wanna Vibe. I'm Abby. I'm Issa. And today we have Ava Johanna multipreneur, um, the Alchemize Life podcast. You are a yoga instructor, newly uh, established Academy of Breathwork, which we're really excited to hear about, um, amongst many other things. So you want to just give us a quick intro? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one, thank you for having me first and foremost. I think that a quick intro is a funny thing for someone who literally has like 5 million different titles. Um, so multipreneur is the greatest, um, descriptor for me for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I found yoga probably about six years ago and that was like my gateway into the wellness world as it is with most people. Um, and from that point, I just continued to be curious because it felt so good in my body. And I was like, holy shit, I want to make other people feel this good in their body too. Like this is something that I was really missing and I feel fulfilled for the first time in so long. And so I just kept kind of peeling back the layers of that, um, eventually starting to support other yoga teachers and people in wellness in developing their own businesses because my background was in digital marketing in the corporate space. Um, and as of this year, I founded the Academy of Breath, which is a breathwork and meditation online certification program and really like my baby. And I'm just so excited that it's already started because it really is all of the different things that I love so much, which is um, being able to teach other leaders and healers and wellness professionals how to hone their voice and how to really have a wide breadth of tools to support their clients while also selfishly for myself having a bunch of friends that I can nerd out on breath work and meditation about because you know it's a little isolating um, and I'm just so grateful to have launched this program when it's launched and like the past like few months especially during you know we're in the midst of a pandemic right now and everything going on in the world um, I feel incredibly grateful to have had these tools and to have made my living off of these tools as well too, because I know that like this is this this work is only gonna grow and grow and grow. I think the wellness industry is projected to be a billion dollar industry next year. Yeah. And um, I feel grateful to be a part of it and grateful more so to be able to support others in really finding that fulfillment through movement, through uh, meditation and stillness, through creativity and through their work. And yeah. so time out really quick side note, because before, before we started recording, you guys said that you met in Costa Rica. So that's the first time you guys met. Yeah. So yes. And I went on this retreat because I had been on retreats with revamp, which was the company that was like organizing everything. Mm -hmm. And Ava and 
that another instructor, multipreneur, Kate, happened to be hosting. Now, I was probably the only attendee on the whole entire retreat that didn't know either Ava or Kate. I was just there because I love Corey, who owns Revamp. She's been on the podcast. Costa Rica sounded fucking rad, and I needed a vacation. And then I have to tell you, like, that retreat was special, mm-hmm. you know? Like, comparatively to the other retreats I've been on, which have been wonderful, there was something about that group of women, you guys, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the syllabus, what's the other word for syllabus? You know, uh, like the schedule like the content, that you put together. Yeah. yeah. That was just, it like, it really truly changed me. It changed me. I came home. Issa was like, who are you? I don't know you anymore. What's happening. But, but it was, it was really, yeah, it was really, really good. So that's how Ava and I met. Um, and I want to take it back because your story, Ava, is absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. So I would love to have you touch on kind of, you know, your childhood, teenage years and and the things that you went through and the things you overcame to get where you are now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you had that experience in Costa Rica. I think that we literally like collectively as a group transported into a different reality because coming back, I was like, I don't think I'm a part of this world anymore. Totally. So I don't know if you had that same experience. Totally. But, um, yeah, you know, I... My, so my parents divorced when I was four years old and my mom ended up getting back together with her high school sweetheart. And like many relationships in high school, it was pretty um, volatile, pretty manipulative, very destructive for both like emotional, spiritual and mental health. And my mom um, stayed in that relationship uh, from my, me being four years old to I think 16 years old. And throughout that time, especially as I was growing up, I just started to witness and absorb all of the manipulation and narcissism of my stepfather and how that impacted my mom. And, um, you know, I really didn't like the relationship whatsoever. Um, when I was nine years old, my mom gave birth to my half sister and, um, about two years after that, she was diagnosed with autism. And that's really where the relationship started to shift between uh, my stepdad, myself and my mom. And it was really this like withdrawing and um, victimhood that he projected into the family that created a lot of chaos between all of us. Eventually, when I turned 16 years old, they decided to split up. My mom finally had the strength and the courage to walk away from him. And while I literally can remember her letting me know in the kitchen when that was happening and celebrating her, neither of us had any idea what was to come over those years after that and really how my mom would have to rebuild herself for 10 years. Um, I think a few months or maybe it was a, yeah, probably about a few months to a year after they separated Uh, my mom wasn't able to pay our bills for our home, for our car, or even for groceries. She was working part-time as a aide at a special needs school and um, just didn't have enough money, was not getting enough money from there. And so we were evicted from our home. Our car was repossessed and we were forced onto food stamps um, and forced into living with neighbors, living with um, her friends, living with family members and kind of jumping around. And all the while I was living in Agora Hills in Calabasas. And so for anyone listening, that's where the Kardashians live. It's where Bieber lives. It where It's where most very, very successful 
people that work in LA live to get out of the city. And so I was surrounded by so much wealth, so much affluence, but had none of it. And around that time, I was like very much in my victimhood of how is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Um, I never want this to happen to me again. And so I'm going to do anything in my power to make sure that this is not my life and this is not my reality. Um, And I, from that point forward, decided that that wasn't going to be my reality anymore. And I wish that I could say then rags to riches just like that. However, um, it was also very tolling on my emotions. And so I did get into like partying and drinking and doing drugs and um, got in with people that really did not um, have that same vision of like being successful (laughs) throughout life. And so um, I definitely continued to kind of spiral downward from that point forward. I did end up moving to San Diego, but it was not a, it wasn't a very happy transition from from LA to San Diego, at least straight out of high school to go to a community college down here where I'm at right now. And um, eventually I got a DUI and that was the first like awakening for me of, oh shit, I am like not on the right path. And thank God I did not hit someone. Thank God I did not hurt myself. Thank God Mm -hmm. I did not crash my car. I just got pulled over. And that was a holy shit, you better get your life together moment. And I feel like my early 20s and probably so many people listening and you as well can uh, agree with this, that the early 20s is kind of like uh, unraveling of, holy shit, I better get my life together moments. And I feel like I waited a while. I waited a while. I was like delayed onset. Too. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was just like an unfolding of, holy shit, I better get my life together moments until I finally fell into a job. I lied my way into it actually. I lied my way into a marketing job and um, started to get my life on track, at least financially on like those surface level things to the point where I was able to have healthier relationships. I um, met my now husband and I started to build something that was bigger than just like partying, doing drugs, um, waking up literally on the weekends to just like how we literally would wake up on the weekends, make the Trader Joe's um, little pigs in a blanket uh, drink a they bunch of champagne. Have the best pigs in the blanket. Just saying, they are very good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not knocking them. <laughs> uh, they are great. Um, but that was. It was just like this rinse of rinse and repeat with my friends, where we would wake up, eat pigs in a blanket, do a couple lines of coke, drink champagne, go out partying at the same nightclub every like every weekend to the point where I was just like, what the fuck are we doing? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like I said, it was like this constant unraveling of like. I need to get my shit together. There, there has to be more, more than this. And, you know, from that point forward, I'll let, I'll stop my story and we can jump into any other questions. But, um, from that point forward, it was like, okay, what do I have to do now? How can I like continue to be curious and kind of get back to that, that sense of fulfillment in my life that I hadn't really experienced for so long. How old would you say that moment like hit you? Like how old were you when that moment hit you where you're like, fuck this, I got to change something. Yeah, I was 22, 23 years old. Nice. So you were working full-time at 22, 23 in marketing. Yeah, Yeah. so... Sorry, go ahead. I I did independent study throughout high school, so I was working basically full-time since like 16 years old. It was just like in restaurants and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did you... You experienced some like burnout? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
tell us about that. Yeah. So I had found a really, my first like cool marketing job was at the San Diego reader, which is like an alternative news publication. They release it weekly. I don't think there's any like good journalism in it or anything. It's just a shit ton of ads. <laughs> and um, somehow I ended up getting the job as the digital marketing coordinator and strategist, which eventually turned into me running an agency of like 10 or 12 other people, which is super cool um, for the girl who had no experience whatsoever and no college degree. Um, but I had kind of hit a wall with or hit a, hit a ceiling with my growth at that company and started to look for other companies to work at. And I found this really cool startup that did marketing for, um, for, multi, for the multifamily industry. So they did like luxury apartment complexes, not so luxury apartment complexes. Um, and when I started working there, while well, it was an incredible experience and I got to get my hands into what it was like to brand things, like how to name buildings. That was super cool to know that I had named Whoa, something that, that was like cool. on the that other really side cool. of the, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it was very valuable, but I was working like 10 to 12 hour days. It was like that hustle mentality where if you weren't working really hard, if you weren't showing up early and leaving late that you were not doing your job. Um, that was just instilled in every single person. And I was being very type A and having like very driven masculine energy. I was like, okay, that means I'm not going to eat lunch and I'm only going to go pee once and I'm going to get everything done. And I'm going to ask for more work because I'm going to climb this ladder and I'm going to be like, I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to be miles ahead of everyone else. And like, that's who I want to be. And what ended up happening was yes, I got the promotion. Yes, people looked at me as like, wow, she's incredible. But I also had migraines every other week. Oh. I was still partying at that time. So I would literally like go out on a Tuesday night and then get so drunk and be so hungover that on my like 30 minute lunch break, I'd just like sit in my car and like either try and take a nap or like be honestly like TMI, but like just like be throwing up out the side of the side of the car. And it's like this, this was just this like bundle of garbage that my life was. And, um, after trying so many different things to get rid of my migraines and just being so sick and just feeling so disconnected from my relationships, that was the point when I had like my very first, like what I would say intuitive awakening where I was mm. just like, I can't do this. There, this, this is not sustainable. Like what I want, the reason why I wanted so much money was to be happy and to be able to spend that money doing things that I love and to, you know, have that feeling of safety and fulfillment. And I have that money now and I don't feel that way. And so I realized that there was never going to be an amount on a paycheck that would actually bring me that joy, that fulfillment and that passion. And I had to go find it myself. That's my biggest fear. First of all, is having that like pressure to like work 15 hour days because like, what does that accomplish? Like 10 of the 15 hours, you're not doing anything anyway. Like I feel like I'm more efficient. I know my windows, right? Like my windows where my brain is highest functioning and like, that's how I like schedule my days. So that's my biggest fear. And I, and I empathize with that because I, I don't think it's easy especially when you're trying to make something of yourself. Um, but I'm curious, like when, when you had that moment where you like, I'm quitting or were you like, let me, let me make a plan or like, what was that process like? 
It was a, I'm quitting. I, it was a, I'm quitting and I'm going to make a plan right now. If I like the moment that I, I'm very much the personality type where it's like the moment that the idea comes to me, I'm going to run with it. And mm. I am very impulsive in that way where like, if I feel something, I'm going to go after it. As an example, I was like, I'm going to do a mastermind and I want to have a retreat in Tulum. And last week I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to book it right now. Like, even though I don't have anyone signed up or, and it's not going to be for another year, I'm doing it. And, um, I just have always kind of been that way. Like I do not hold back. I take things and I run with it. Um, so it was, a, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit. What's my plan. Mm. And really like that jump in the net will appear type of mentality, which has, you know, served me well for the most part. I think that you have to be a self-starter and be willing to like get uncomfortable to have that type of attitude and to make those types of leaps. But I don't think that it's impossible for anyone. I was just going to say, it's like, it's almost like very fast, uncomfortable growth. And you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to grow real fast right here. Like just like push right through. Cause that's the hardest part where everybody, I feel like I'm a hesitator. I'll be like, eh, do I want to do that? And I get inspired and motivated by seeing people that get their foot in the door. You like see the crack open then they just like push that shit down. That's hard yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that because I, my rock bottom is so freaking far down that I'm just like, well, you know what? I've been there. I know what that's like. And I am willing to take this risk for the reward. Um, and I don't have, I don't know. I think it's because sometimes the the hesitancy comes from so much unknown and I feel like I know a lot from what I've experienced. Um, or at least I know that that struggle so much that I'm like, you know what? I'm not scared of that. I can actually move through that very well. Yeah. So were you, were you teaching yoga? Like, did you, how did that, how did, how did everything fall into place after you quit? Did you already have a practice? Uh, I think like, as I was quitting, I found yoga. It's so funny because when I was in community college, I took yoga as an elective and I was like, what is this shit? (laughs) I didn't even know you could take yoga as an elective. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, this is going to be easy. And it was, it was super easy. I did not take it serious whatsoever. Um, and then when I was like really at my rock bottom, at my corporate job, my girlfriend invited me to a yoga class and I fell in love with the studio and the teacher. She's still like my greatest mentor, my greatest role model and someone that I will never forget because she really was that catalyst in my life for me. Um, but it was kind of just like this, like instantaneous, like coming home to my body and just this feeling of like, Oh my God. Yeah. I got to say too, how you found it first. And you're like, what is this? Like when you weren't mentally or physically ready for it. Right. And then how it came back to you. Like it was, it was looking for you. Like it she was, a yeah. boomerang. it yeah. tried to find you the first time. And then it came back and it was like, no, 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 try me again because you need me and I need you. And like, crazy, but beautiful that you were able to be like, Ooh, here it is. And not to, and not to say no to it. Cause a lot of people would be like, Oh, I took that shit in college and I'm not doing it again. Yeah. You know, so that you were open. Yeah. Such a beautiful point. I think that timing is everything. And sometimes we, um, look back and are like, oh, I wish I'd like, I could, I could look back and be like, Oh, what would have happened if I had stuck with yoga from my college days? I don't think that I would be where I am today. Exactly. Yeah. I think that timing is really, really important. Totally. So, I mean, I feel like my situation personally was not even, 
it wasn't, it's not comparable to yours, but I did grow up, you know, having less than everybody around me. And for me, that made me feel like I had to have more later. And I know you touched on that with your corporate job, but like, how did that mindset translate to when you started working for yourself and doing your own projects and, and kind of being your own boss? Mm, That's such a good point. You know, I think that there it's twofold because initially there were so many money beliefs and stories that I had that really prevented me from allowing myself to have more. Uh, I was scared to charge my worth. I was scared to really be seen and like show, show, go all in. I was, I'm sorry. No worries. You can go, you can just keep talking. Okay, okay cool. Um, I was, I was scared to go all in on my vision because it was, it was my baby. And I just, I didn't know what would, what would happen. And I just had a lot of, a lot of layers of money beliefs of like, oh, if I, if I am successful with this, this is just going to be a fluke. It's not going to happen again. Or if I'm successful, the other shoe is going to drop. There are just all of these stories that I had um, undulating throughout my mind and my heart that for a while prevented me from really stretching myself to the capacity that I knew, um, or that my soul knew at least I was, I was worthy of stepping into. And once I started working with my own coach and kind of moving through all of those things and really identifying where those stories were coming from, how to shift out of them, I definitely like, will be honest. I want a life of more, like I want a life of luxury. I'm not afraid to admit that I want nice things. I'm not afraid to admit that my next car is going to be a Porsche. I'm not afraid to say that like, I want to live with an ocean view. Like those are the things that I want. And, um, I am working hard to have those things are hard hard-ish to have those things. And so I think that while the beginning stages were riddled with a lot of doubt and fear and stories, I did kind of have this full circle of experience where it was like, my overall intention was I would never be in that place. And now I'm back to there too, where I'm like, I'll never be in that place. And I'm going to set my family up to never be in that place. And it's okay that I want more. Wanting more is not greedy. It's not selfish. It's actually doing a service for myself, my family, and those in my community because I'm writing a permission slip for other women to not feel greedy and selfish for wanting more too. I'm so grateful that you just said that because I think there's a lot of guilt tied into wanting nice things and wanting, you know, like anything that's of luxury. If you're like, that's my goal, then people just see you as materialistic and selfish and that that's your main focus and you're like, but I like nice things and I want nice things. And unfortunately they cost money. (laughs) So how are we going to get from point A to point B? And however you see me is how you see me, but I'm going to be driving by my Porsche girl, beep beep, (laughs) and we're going to have a good time, you know, like, and I'm going to enjoy myself. So I appreciate that you said that. And then you use the word undulating. I really enjoyed that also. (laughs) Seriously. I teach breath work. And so I use a lot of yoga terms. I like it. I liked it. (laughs) Well, you also, I want to, I want to kind of peek at the breath work, um, stuff, but I want to know also about like how you came into your own as a coach for Mm. other women's businesses. And also you have a unique perspective in your kind of crossroads between business and spirituality. So like where, first of all, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of layers to this question, but like, did that come from a personal experience? And also 
did you have a hard time like even like articulating or explaining it to people? Because I feel like those two things are normally things that people keep very separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a great question, Abby. So when I was in the corporate space, as most people in the corporate space, it's very masculine driven energy. It's strategy. It's logical. It's here's our standard operating procedure, follow this or die. You know, there's like so many structures in place, which is good. However, what I carried over from that into owning my own business is no creativity, no intuition, no trusting myself. And so anytime that I would follow someone's strategy or buy a webinar or do whatever, and it wouldn't work, it would only cause me to doubt myself even further and be like, well, if it worked for them and it's not working for me, that means that I'm not a powerful coach. And so I just Mm -hmm. had hit, you know, another wall in my business where I was just like, I'm sick and tired of just like following this strategy. I'm so sick and tired of just following other people's roadmaps and not trusting myself, not, not, self-validating. I felt like Mm -hmm. every single idea I would constantly call my husband or my mom or my friend and be like, Hey, do you think this is a good idea? And then whatever they mirrored back to me, I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know now. Cause now I have their fears and their stories in my head. Mm. And so I was just sick of that. I was sick of doing that because I had seen so many examples of women that were intuitive, feminine, creative, and running these six figure and multiple six figure million dollar businesses. And so I got curious again, this is like the main theme for, for anyone is like, get curious. That's the name um, of the episode. There you really? go. Make no, it is now. It, it is, is now. now. <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm real intuitive. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. So I, so I hired a coach, I hired help. I hired someone who was doing what I wanted to do and could help me and stretch me to stepping into that next level because I knew and I had the intention that if someone else was able to do it, I am no different from that other person. I can awaken whatever power inside of me that is necessary to change. I've changed thousands of times. I will continue to change. I will continue to up level. I will continue to stretch myself. And so I'm going to seek mentorship to really support me in being able to do it faster and not having to figure it out all on my own and carry the weight of the world on my shoulders all on my own. And I feel like that traditional kind of strategy-based masculine approach to business does feel like we are carrying the weight of the world and the weight of our business all on our own, when in reality, it's a co-creation. And this is really how I look at my business and how I look at really any of the businesses that I, of my clients or anyone that is in a service-based heart-centered business is that we are in co-creation and it's not just on us it's to, it's not just on us to, to birth it into the world for it to be successful, for the launch to be successful, for us to reach however much we want in our business, because any idea that we've received, any creative impulse, any intuitive hit is divinely downloaded and channeled into us. And so even Mm -hmm. if you don't think you're intuitive, even if you don't think you can channel, you can. And it takes practice to get to know the voice, to get into a consistent dialogue with it. But I look at any, any creative idea, any inspiration as a channeled message from divine, a channeled message from your higher self. Um, 
Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this a lot in her book, Big Magic, how the genius actually lives outside of us and it's alive and these ideas are alive and they are actually, they come and seek us and find us. And so again, it's like that co-creation where we are working alongside divine to birth something into the world. And so for me, it's just a no brainer that our spiritual practice then aligns with it. So I look at my meditation as this container for connecting to my intuition, for connecting to those creative ideas. Because if we're so busy on our phones or in our emails or running strategy and not really thinking about anything or creating the space to create something, then how are we ever going to hear our intuition? How are we ever going to be downloaded those creative ideas? For sure. It's, it's also like outside of like physical, it's, it's like mind body for business, you know, like you have to think about what you're doing and what I got from you following other people and it not working was for you that it wasn't authentic. Like it wasn't your path that like you were supposed to be going down. And that's why it was like roadblock, roadblock, roadblock. Like I want to do what this girl's doing, but like not like that, or this isn't suiting me right now. And that you were able to look outside yourself. We always talk about this, getting help from somebody else to ask, always ask for help. How important that is when you're lost, or if you are unsure of which path to go, you just get somebody that's not like an unbiased opinion and just like exercise your thoughts and they can kind of put it into place. We were just having an interview before where the girl's telling us how a Tinder date or like a guy that she must have swiped right on. They were just talking and he said to her, it was, it was Bumble only because I'm only oh, correcting Bumble. you because Sorry, Tinder's for fucking and Bumble's for <laughs> love, I guess. But, thank you. Thank you for the correction though. But so yes, I'm sorry uh, to Katie. It was on Bumble, but she was on Bumble and this guy, she said, who was talking to her about her practice. She has a Pilates studio. She, he was just like, why are you doing this on your own? Like you can be making this money and doing this. And she's like, I don't know. He's like, well, you should. And there, we were hoping there was like a love connection there. It wasn't, it was just like this divine moment of this guy seeing the potential that she was exhibiting and she just wasn't like going for it. So that's, yeah. that's what I love the most is that women that are able and open to asking for help. Cause that's the biggest challenge and usually makes it feel more of a competition. Like, well, I just, I want to be like her, but I don't want to ask. I want to be like her and I don't want to do what she's doing. And just to like find your own road. I think that's really beautiful and really inspiring. Yeah. You know, and that even reminds me, it's like this idea that by asking for help, you're putting that person above you. But in reality, it's, it's an equal and level playing field as far as like energetics go. I know that, you know, as far as like privilege and whatnot, it's not always an equal and level playing field. But mm-hmm. when we look at this idea of asking for help and asking for support, so many women resist it because we are, you know, trained to be martyrs and trained to just like kind of suck it up and right. just be the support system and nurturing for every other human around us. But that's, you know, that's wounded feminine. That's not the divine feminine. And what I teach in my business is how we can really tap into the divine feminine to create a business that we are madly passionate about that is also creating space for other women to do the same as well too and know that it's safe for us to step into that it's not our power is not something to fear it's something to lean into yeah and so i'm curious because like every when you have like a major life mindset shift like this. I mean, this isn't just a mindset shift. It's a mindset set mindset mindset shift that came with a change in job and a change in income. And like, there's been, there's a whole lot of evolution between who you were 
when you were in your corporate job and who you have become now, the people that are close to you, your family, your husband, like your close friends, how do they react to Mm. all of this change? Mm. Well, my, I obviously lost a lot of friends, not obviously, but I did lose a lot of friendships. I kept a few really incredible ones and we've collectively been rising together. I mean, you met Michelle and she has been a girlfriend since I was 20, 19 years old and we've been able to rise together, which has been such a beautiful journey. And then I have a couple other friends, a part of that group that have really stuck around and have been on their own um, journey as well. And then I've also lost friendships that just for me weren't serving me anymore. And I knew that like it was not honoring me to stay within the drama or stay within the chaos. My family has been so supportive of it all. You know, I think that some of them still have a lot of their fears and their stories and their doubts. And so I won't engage in the conversations around money or around spirituality with them because I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm here to embody what I know to be true. Um, And my mom, who's always been my best friend from like the moment I was born until now, has has, has risen with me, which has been really, really cool. I love and has that. Been such a beautiful practice. She's doing my Academy of breath, um, with me right now and, and with the whole group. And she wants to help bring breath work and create programs for breath work and meditation for, um, children with special needs. And so it's just really, really cool to have watched her over this last year, actually quit her job in the school district, wow. go back to school and start really developing this program, um, that comes from this holistic standpoint of, of, um, looking at children with special needs. That's amazing. That says a lot about your mom too, because mm-hmm. I feel like we're at this weird point in our lives where our parents are still our parents, but we're, we're now adults. And so it's like this weird, like who knows better type of thing. And so for you to have that relationship with your mom, where she said here, like you teach me something that says so much about her. It's like, that's really, yep. really beautiful. Cause that's not the case in 99% of our parents' generation. For sure. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if we ever, if I ever gave you the lowdown and for anybody who's listening to this podcast for the first time, um, you know, where, where Wanna Vibe kind of came into the landscape was from the perspective of, yeah, there's a lot of wellness information out there. There's a lot, there's podcasts that exist, but a lot of them that we listen to are like in deep, right? Like you kind of have to know a little bit, you know, the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And to know, understand what it is that you're, the content that you're listening to and where, where we saw our friends and even ourselves were like, how do I get in there? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, Mm -hmm. how do I know? So I want to talk about your, your new business, the Academy of Breathwork. I think it's such an amazing idea, but I would really love for you to start off by explaining breathwork to people who have probably never heard of it before. I've heard of it. Side note, I've heard of it, (laughs) but I'm like, also I think about, okay. I think about things where I'm like, would I be intimidated to do that? Which I feel like I would be. And this is something where I was, I'm like very much a sponge and I'm like excited because I'm like, I want to know, I want to breathe however you tell me to breathe (laughs) and do that and like heal myself and just find some sort of new growth, you know? And Anyway, continue. So I'm one of those people that doesn't really know what it's what's about. You're really talking to me. Okay. 
Isa, we are about to nerd out right now. Um, (laughs) So for me, after doing my yoga practice for probably about a year, I was like, okay, what's that next spiritual high? And this probably comes back to my days of drug use and wanting to- um, Chasing the dragon, girl. Maybe it does, but I think that in in wellness, when you hit your stride in something, you want to know what's next. I think it's like within yoga, whether you have like a fitness practice, like your PRs or like whatever, it is like you always you hit your stride you hit your goal and then you're like well now I need a new goal right Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's necessarily like drug use I think it's I think it's normal all right I will say that you can have some psychedelic experiences using breath work though so (laughs) a little bit I believe it yeah. So, so there's many different styles of breath work. You know, there are those more intimidating styles of breath work where you're doing deep work. You are like, you're working, your body is working, your hands turn into lobster claws. You feel all of this energy moving throughout your body. You're probably crying. Someone next to you is probably hysterically laughing. Great. Love it on occasion, not what I teach because the practices that I teach, I want to bridge the gap for those who have never done breathwork before, who are Mm. probably living in higher states of anxiety or emotional reactivity or chronically inflamed like I was and give them something that they can do at home on their own on a daily basis. Um, You're already speaking my language because I feel like I'm emotionally charged like at all times. I can cry on a dime. It's embarrassing. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Keep you in my back pocket. (laughs) Um, So the styles of breathwork that I teach are pranayama. And these styles have been um, passed down from Eastern tradition. Um, They originate from India back when in like around 2700 BC. So they've been around for thousands of years as tools to really awaken our life force, our prana, which is that life force, that energy that flows within us and around us. You can kind of think of it as like your aura and then just your energy that you emote into the world and um, to awaken that, to elevate it and to use it to to extend our lives. And so pranayama translated from Sanskrit is extension of life force. And so Mm. throughout our lives, we go through all of these different experiences of, of stress, of trauma, of sadness, of loss, of grief, all of these emotions that really create these fight or flight responses within our body and within our brains this is the prehistoric thing that's happening that um, our brain takes in within a second. And then it sends signals throughout our entire body, which can cause our immune system to shut down, our digestion to shut down, stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline to flood our, our entire body, which eventually causes aging, wrinkles, all of the things that none of us want, especially when we're younger. And so as babies, if you look at a baby, the baby breathes out of the belly and it's those deep breaths that's natural breathing. Because of all of the stress, all of the experiences, all of the perceived threats throughout our lives, our breath starts to shorten though. And so if you're listening to this and driving and have a hand to spare, or if you're just sitting, you can probably feel on your heart right now or maybe in your belly, you might only be breathing up here in your chest. That might be where your breath is originating from. If it is, normal. However, not the natural breath. Our natural breath is deep into the belly the rib cage, the chest. That's a full breath, a natural like yogic breath is inhale through the nose, draw it into the belly, rib cage, chest. We're using the entire capacity of our lungs here versus just one third of our lungs up here. Mm-hmm. So when we're not taking in as much much air, what's happening is that we are stimulating a fight or flight response in our body. And so our breath is a natural and direct reflection of our emotional state. So we can look at our breath and say, ah, 
I'm breathing really choppy right now. I must be a little stressed out or I must be in this perceived threat response where I've shortened my breath and I'm kind of feeling a little clenched or I feel a little anxious. And the reason why I love breath work so much is because it brings that power back into us where we're like, I can check out where my breath is right now. I can intentionally start to elongate my breath. And what is going to happen from the elongation of my breath is that I will shift into a parasympathetic response, which is the rest and digest or that stay and play. And so coming back to our, that space where our immune system turns back on, where we, um, our digestion is working again. So if someone has hormonal health or gut issues, this type of breathing is really important. Um, we, we send happy hormones throughout our body, like dopamine and serotonin, um, and oxytocin as well. And so all of these things that really allow our body to come back into homeostasis happen when we start to control our breath. And they're very, I mean, there's beginner, intermediate and advanced practices, depending on how far you take it. But for someone who's just starting out, really just reintegrating natural breath into your day is such a powerful way to, again, extend your life force, to extend your life, your energy, your vitality, start to shift your, your autonomic nervous system, so your involuntary nervous system, and take your power back from the challenging emotions, the reactivity, the heaviness that so many of us feel and fall victim to. Your voice is very soothing. And even now I'm, I'm like connecting to my breath. Like I'm, I'm thinking about it as opposed to from day to day. It's just like, you know, very rarely, unless your nose is clogged, you really don't think about, you know, like, or if you're stressed or whatever, some people you'll see, I don't know, I guess like in movies and shit where they like, are like, and they'll take like a deep breath or like they'll actually think about what they're doing. But a lot of times when people are excited, the first thing that I think is not how am I breathing? It's what am I going to say? Like, what am I, what am I going to talk about next? Or like, how am I going to cut this bitch down? Cause I'm mad, <laughs> you know, as opposed to 100% taking it in. And so now I'm like actively thinking about my breath. Your voice is very soothing. It is. Um, but also it's so interesting. First of all, how weird is it that when we first logged on before this all recording happened, we were talking about breathing and I was like, how I get so excited that I forget to breathe. Oh yeah. Recording. She just said it like flippantly too. So weird. Um, but also it's so hypocritical of me because I like when Dylan gets like really psychotic, I make him take a few deep breaths and he's like, mm. he's still cute about it. He's like, <sighs> and he's like little face, mm. but like, why don't I do that? You know what I mean? For him, he just does it. Now he does it on his own because I've told him so many times, like, you need to calm down, like take a deep breath, take a couple deep breaths, whatever. But like, it's not something that I do. So why you not? You intuitively know though. You I, intuitively know that that is how we calm the body down. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's crazy. And it, it makes it makes you actually think twice about how you're handling situations and all of the damage that we're causing to our body by not just breathing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So much damage, especially as women, because it can throw our hormones out of whack. And it's like your, your brain doesn't know the difference between a actual threat. So like, let's say there's a cheetah in the room and a text from your mother-in-law that makes you want to throw your phone across the room. Your <laughs> right. brain doesn't know the difference to those perceived threats. It, it, it processes right. the images, the sounds, everything Either in the way, same the text way. comes in and you're like, run! Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so Isa, like you said, it's like that moment where you feel the emotion come up and instead of reacting, that inhale and that exhale 
shifts you from reaction to response and it gives you that space and a practice that anyone can do that is super, super simple. Um, they do it in the military. It's called equal ratio breathing or box breath. It's inhaling for a count of five, holding at the top for a count of five, exhaling for a count of five, holding empty for a count of five and doing that for about five minutes. There's tons of studies that have shown that just doing that for five minutes shifts the brain, the autonomic nervous system into a parasympathetic response. I got the whole box visual too. The up, yeah. the hold, the down, the hold. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Um, that, it makes you, so much sense. So to say it like that. Does your personal breathwork practice coincide with your meditation practice? Like do you do it at the same time? Yeah. So breathwork is actually a tool to help ease your way into meditation. For me, the way that I describe it is that we use our breathwork practice to cultivate this prana, this energy, and start to move out any old or stagnant energy, start to cleanse the body and the mind of stagnant thoughts so we can prepare ourselves to sit. And so, so many people that are going into a meditation practice, they sit down and they're like, oh, I got to, I got to like, I got to fidget around a little bit. I've got all these things to do. I've got a to-do list. I have my mind running a million miles a second. I'm not a good meditator. I don't know how to meditate. I'm going to not do this again. Maybe I don't need to meditate. I used to tell myself that. And um, what breathwork does is move all of that shit out so that by the time you sit and meditate, you're like, oh, I feel really fucking good right now. Like my heart is open. I'm calm. I'm not thinking about a million things. Oh, a thought comes up. Great. I'm going to come back to my breath or I'm going to come back to whatever it is that I'm meditating on. I cannot lie. I am that meditator. I want so badly to have like a morning meditation practice, but I never stick to it. I never stick to it. I even paid, I did the Ziva. Did you interview mm, the girl from I Ziva? Did. Yeah, I thought Emily so. Fletcher. That's how, that's how I found out about them was your podcast. And I was like, this sounds pretty rad. So I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I was so good about it for a couple months. And then I just like completely fell off the wagon, but I get, I definitely get in my own head about it. 100%. Yeah. Even though when you're in it, it's so good. And then when you're out of it, you're like, well, it really wasn't that good, <laughs> you know? Why are you <laughs> resisting your own rising? That's what I, I always know, tell I my clients. I have fucking mental pro problems. Yeah, 100%. For me, it's like, it's the it's not so much the shutting down, it's the carving out the space. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you especially don't have it or you don't want to? Well, I know I have it, obviously, because I find time to do other things. It's I'm not ignorant to my excuses. I'm just saying like, <sighs> Emily the woman who founded this diva, she always says like, do it first thing in the morning, like before you eat, before you drink, whatever. I have a little man in my face the second I wake up. So like, then I feel like this is me. This is my story. I didn't do it first thing in the morning. So now I'm not going to do it at all. Right, it's almost right. like people that are like obsessive dieters. Like I'm a, I'm a compulsive meditator. <laughs> like yeah. I just like, it's all or nothing, but right. that's my story that I tell myself yeah. to answer your question. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, and I totally understand that because I've had that as well too, where I'm like, oh, well, I didn't do it in the morning. I'm not going to do it again. And, you know, I will say sometimes it's more challenging to sit in the afternoon, but what if instead of making your focus, I think Ziva is on a mantra, um, which is very similar to how I was trained as well. But what if your meditation was actually this container for you to step into a future projection of yourself, a future timeline of who you want to become, of what your house in San Diego is going to look like, who you're going to be in that time, who you will, like the embodiment and the energy of of your future self. Um, I find that for me, just trying to focus on one thing I will do from time to time in my meditation. However, I like using this container as a time to like create and have fun and feel and embody. Um, I posted on, on Instagram probably like two months ago, 
saying that I want to make meditation sexy because there's, it's, it can get this like boring, you know, association with it because all we're doing is talking about relieving stress, sleeping better, and, you know, not having as much anxiety. But once you use this container in this space to like really manifest and, and, and align with like your soul potential and remember who you are on a soul level, that's when things get to be fun. And when you actually start to crave this practice because you come out on the other side and you're like, I'm a fucking rock star. That's right. Mm. Do you journal after you meditate? Sometimes I have been more lately. Yeah. Um, I, cause I feel like the Ziva is like 10 minutes or whatever of the mantra. And then the last few minutes is like uh, projecting and vision and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would want to write it all down so that I wouldn't forget it. Yeah. So have you encountered, and if so, which I imagine that you have, what do you say to them? Like people that are kind of like not open or non-believing or give you a hard time or like push back on the idea of having the importance of having these types of practices, meditation, breath work, even yoga, like whatever it is that ground you. Because in my mind, it's like, it's either you just ignore those people and like let it go, but then you miss out on an opportunity to educate them Mm -hmm. or you're sitting there fucking fighting with someone about something that you're never going to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. You know, I'm very much, I have like fiery energy. I'm a Scorpio and have Leo and I'm Leo moon. So I'm like, my husband says like my Scorpio tail will sting you. Um, (laughs) and that's a part of me that I am never letting go. I don't care how spiritual I am. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I haven't really had to deal with that. And I think it's because I'm really intentional about like having healthy boundaries with who comes into my life and who comes into my space. And I think that with these practices too, it's all about embodiment. It's not about being an evangelist for it. Although sometimes I can turn into a little bit of a meditation evangelist because I freaking love the practice. It's changed my entire life. But more than anything, just by embodying, the qualities, the values, and like the energy of this practice, that's what's pulling people in. That's what people like really pay attention to. And I remember probably about a month and a half into me meditating consistently, um, my husband and I got in a little bit of a fight because he was really stressed out. And I'm like, well, why don't you just meditate? And, um, and he was like, I want to meditate. I see how much it's, he's, he's like, I see how much it's changed your life and how you show up and how less stressed you are and like how, how it's shifted you even over this month and a half. Like I want to do it. And I think that was a turning point for me where I was like, action and energy speaks way louder than me trying to convince anybody. I'm not in the business of convincing anybody. And again, coming back to the timing thing, you know, it's like they will find it in the right time or maybe their soul is not meant to find it in this right. time. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach, oh. I, I can't stress that enough. Like if you just do, people will follow. If you're passionate about what you love, people are, get curious and they're like, Oh, look at where she is. And I want to be like that in, you know, in my version. So let me try it. Right. Like what we were just talking about, but also I, so I teach spin classes and I find myself try Like I have to reserve it because I'm like, you can come to spin class. It's not that bad. Listen, (laughs) do what you can. And I like to start getting a little crazy with it. So I'm like, the door's always open. Let me know if you want to come. Boom. And I got to like, leave it at that. Cause otherwise I'm going to rah, rah the shit out of you. And be like, you can do anything. Anyone can do anything. Like, and I start getting crazy. So yes, I told she's laughing because she knows how nuts I am. But I love that. And you do. It, it, it truly like comes from you. Like just how in you're talking from it. And like 
dang, I want to be relaxed like that. I want to like speak so well and just like mm, get my point across like what? that. But mind you, I'm like saying fuck every other word because I I'm- I want to speak so well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I do think that, I mean, I guess for me, the reason I asked that question is because I, Issa hears this like constantly, but I get like, I get so into things that I just feel like I need to like, make everyone understand how amazing things are. You know what I mean? And then when they don't listen to me, I get super mad about it. And it's just like, it's like, is that, what is it? What am I moon Sagittarius moon or whatever the fuck? I don't, me? I don't remember. uh, It's Sagittarius something. I don't remember my own shit. So let alone yours. No (laughs) offense. You're you're like a hyper Taurus. Shocker. Mm. Um, But yeah, I just, I get, I get very passionate and then I feel like I need, to, it's my job to make everyone see it the way I see it. And I know that it's not my job and I need to like let my shit go. But I, I feel like Issa always says I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional, but I'm very energy driven. And like, oh, so yeah. when you talk about this, then I get really into it. And I'm like, well, everybody, that's why we have a podcast, right? Cause I'm like, everybody needs to know everything. That's so awesome. So I don't even know why I went on that tangent, but um, I like it. I wanted so, to ask you, Ava, how is COVID like affecting your business? You know, I feel very grateful. And Abby was actually a part of the experience of me letting go of teaching yoga in studios and letting go of everything that was location dependent. Um, right after I got home from Costa Rica, I was like, I'm all in on my coaching business. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be teaching others how to build their businesses from this energetic standpoint, the spiritual, the spiritual, um, aspect of it. And, um, that was in December. And so from December on, I have not had any, or I haven't had any ties to any studios, any types of like in-person or um, any type of experience that would be impacted by COVID. And so I feel so grateful because Good at that time you. I was so scared. I was mm-hmm. so scared to let it go. I mean, I was teaching, teaching fitness in LA is not a bad gig. You know, it's, you drive around the city a shit ton. And that was a big part of why I didn't want to do it anymore, but I was making really decent money. I was, I was teaching at studios that were paying me well, paying me better than most studios teach or mm-hmm. most, most studios pay. And, um, it was a really scary, uh, you know, ledge to jump off of yet again to say, I'm going to let these things go and go all in on this aspect of my business that I hadn't really been dedicating as much time to. Right. So I feel, I, you know, the past six months now have been just this really beautiful unfolding of stretching myself financially and as well as stretching my clients into um, really being able to get outside of the idea that they have to be dependent or follow suit with everyone else's, you know, money or financial struggles um, and really questioning that and, and questioning if you're saying hard, like, oh, this is hard or, oh, no one's going to say yes. Like, why is that your story? Why can't you identify with a story where, no, the people that are ready to invest are going to be my clients and they're making their way over to me right now. And I think that that comes back to really embodying the tools right. that you teach because that's how you stand out. You know, there's so many coaches online. There's so many um, instructors. There's so many people in the wellness space, but there's so many bullshitters too that are not walking their walk. They're not practicing what they preach. And on a subtle energetic level, if you go to their website or if you look at their Instagram stories and they are not in alignment and in integrity with their work, you will feel that. 
and oh, that's shows why, immediately. Yeah. 100%. And so that's why someone, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm going to, because I really am in integrity with these tools. That's why if someone comes to my page, that's meant to be my client. That's in alignment with like my values and really wants to develop a business in the same way that I do they know the moment that they see me speak, the moment that they read my words, that like I am the coach for them. I'm very behind you tooting your own horn and I want you to because you definitely deserve it. 100%. And you just seem like sure of what you know, you know, like you're, you're very rooted in your practice and you know, you, you've put so many hours into it. You're allowed to give yourself a little toot too, you know? Yeah. Thank you. I thank you. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't always that way though. And that was when, and that was when I was struggling too. That's when it was hard for me to charge what I charge. That's when it was hard for me to get someone to say yes on the phone. That was when it was hard for me to create content or connect with people or build community. Um, and so I was like, shit, I'm my most important client. Mm -hmm. I am my most important client. So I, better be showing up for myself because my, whatever I am projecting is going to be reflected back to me. And so if I'm projecting and reflecting that, like, I believe in myself, I'm worthy of receiving, I'm a damn good coach. And I know that these tools will change your life. Then that's what I'm going to receive on the other end too. That's awesome. It's so interesting because I wonder, um, I wonder if there is like a, what am I trying to say? like an easier said than done type of thing. You know what I mean? Or, or if that comes with imposter syndrome or if that comes with actually not embodying, you know, what you're practicing. Like I, I believe and stand behind like everything that you're saying to me right now. But I wonder if I were in your shoes, if I would feel like, I don't know, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Do, you know what I mean? No, yeah. he's just like, I have no, but I think I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what you're saying is like the, Oh, this, this works for her, but it's not going to work for me or like, right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Like I just, I can't, um, wrap it's my hard head to around. Achieve. It's hard to yeah. achieve to like see somebody doing something. And you're like, how does she, how do I get there? Yeah. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. And it almost yes. seems like very special and specific to the person. It does. It does. From the outside, it seems like, well, like, like you're a unicorn. A, mm. it is. It has, it definitely has that also. I'm not going to take that away. I'm not going to say like anyone can do everything that everybody else does. Cause there's some sort of, for me. No, but And part of and, and like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, as in terms of the authenticity thing, like I feel like that's a word that's is used a lot and especially people that are successful in what they do, they always come back to saying, you know, people can see through the facade. But I wonder that if somebody is working to achieve something, you know, you get imposter syndrome, right? Sometimes you doubt yourself. Like that's normal human behavior. How do you ground yourself in your authenticity if you're kind of unsure? How do you find your surety, I guess, is what Mm. I'm asking. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, You're just full of those today, Abby. (laughs) She's the best. She's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So integrity is huge for me. And I remember I had interviewed Lauren Handel Zander, who is the, her, her, her coaching cert and, um, company is called the Handel group and they do coaching and she's a New Yorker. She's super funny. Um, and she is like no bullshit. And she's like, if you are not in, in integrity, 
with what it is that you are sharing, then you're not going to be confident and you're going to doubt yourself. You're not going to believe in yourself because you don't actually believe in the power of your tools because you're not using them. And so as far as imposter syndrome goes, again, going back to like, you are your most important client, that's really important. But with that being said, my tools might not look the same as your tools. And so that's why getting curious and being willing to pivot, being willing to change and embrace change and not just like look at something as like, this is the end all be all. So I must do this. Like really allowing yourself to be curious and to change and to pivot and be okay with that along the way is really important because you're going to get to know yourself. And the more that you take risks, the more that you hit that growth edge where the imposter syndrome comes in, you are going to come more and more alive into the person that you are meant to become. And, you know, any of the stories that are coming up around, oh, this is hard or this works for her or, um, you know, it's not going to work for me. Those are all just stories that our human identification, this like fleshy suit that we've been dropped into is identifying with. And these are masks that we can shed if we so choose to. And for me, like I'm of the belief that all of our souls decided to incarnate with specific soul assignments, divine assignments that we hear when we are in stillness, that we receive in those Mm. aha moments of, of creative downloads as we were talking about earlier. And so whatever that was that was given to you that lights you up, that excites you, that makes you feel, oh my God, I have to teach this or, oh my God, I have to share this or, oh my God, I have to make this. There's a reason why that was given to you. It wasn't to taunt you. It was for you to bring it into form. And the only way that you're going to figure out what that authentic expression is, is to start doing and start acting and taking those baby steps. You don't have to do it all at once, but you Mm -hmm. do have to move. You do have to take some sort of action. And I think for anyone that's like, okay, well, what action do I take first? Take a moment to carve out space for yourself. And that doesn't have to be meditation. It could be journaling. It could be going down to the beach without your phone. It'd be going on a walk and just like sitting in your thoughts. And if that is a really scary thing for you to do, get comfortable, do it twice. Yeah. I love that. That's such good advice. And I feel like it's so interesting because so many of our conversations with each other and with other people on this podcast have come back to like leaning into the uncomfortable and kind of surrendering to the things that you can't control. And if something scares you to like jump in. And also like two people can be doing the same exact thing, take the same exact path and it will always look different. It mm-hmm. depends on the person's soul and their flavor and the zest that they're bringing to it just in that specific time or whatever they're saying, the words that they're using. So you can go through the motions of doing the same exact thing, but if you own it in your own way, that's where your power comes from in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the, you know, the way that we own it is to look at, where we may have potentially been holding or repressing a part of ourselves, you know, like if, if we're not allowing ourselves to get to know the essence of who we are, or if we are holding back from sharing aspects of ourselves, or we are not being honest with ourselves about around what we want and who we want to be, then it's going to be challenging to find that authentic expression. But if you're willing to, again, like try things, just try mm-hmm. things, see how it fits. Like put, I, you know, last year I'd created a fitness concept. I, you know, had my podcast, I was coaching, I was teaching at these studios. I was about to do a bar training, like all these different things. And then I was like, ah, okay, this doesn't fit well. It's like mm-hmm. your Goldilocks in that sense where you got to try the different things and then whatever feels good, continue following that. It's like a game of hot and cold, you know? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people get discouraged in the trying mm-hmm. where where it's like, oh, this one's not for me. Oh, this one's not for me. 
I guess I'm going to stop here because two, mm-hmm. the two weren't for me. And like, now I'm done. It's like, no, just keep trying and you'll figure it out. It'll say something's going to hit, you, yeah. you know, give yourself better odds. If you're like still trying to achieve different levels of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like learning throughout the entire experience too. But I think we have to stop associating failing with falling, you know, with falling out of something, falling out of something does not equal failing. You are not a failure for falling out of something and finding something new. Um, in fact, that is how you grow. That is how you learn. If you don't try anything ever, you're probably not going to get to know yourself that well. Yeah. That's so important. What you just said that we have to not associate falling out of something with failure. Like, because literally those things in our society tend to go hand in hand, but in actuality, mm-hmm. it's not the case at all. And so I, that the fact that you just said that is like, I feel like the reason that we're here right now, like I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at one of the fucking questions that Issa put on here. Listen. <laughs> She wa- I want to hear uh, first really quickly. You have all of this stuff that you do. How do you manage your time? What does your daily routine look like? And how do you prioritize when you might not have enough hours in the day to do all of the things that you have to do or mm, want to yeah. do? Yeah. Um, so this morning, I'll give you my daily routine for this morning, That it was imperfect. Um, this morning I woke up, I checked my stocks and I got excited. Stock market's and then, looking good right now. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, because I'm, my, my brain has habitual patterns of opening my phone and going to Instagram. I did that and then sh- sent myself into a wave of anxiety and um, then decided to sit in child's pose and breathe deeply again. So I did the breathwork practice that we did. And then I sat in meditation and came back and felt so much better. Um, But usually my daily routine is waking up and trying not to be on my phone as best as possible for the first hour. So I can just like go wake up, go outside first. Um, first like light that I'm seeing is not blue light, but it's actually like the light from the sky. I'll take like three deep breaths in just like facing the sun. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with, um, the founder of blue blocks, the glasses, the blue light blocking glasses for my podcast. And, um, he just blew my mind as far as like how blue light, how bad blue light is for us. And so I've been trying as best as possible to not look at my phone and just go outside. Um, and I'll do probably about anywhere from like 15 to 30 minutes of breath work and meditation altogether. And again, use it as a space for like, who do I want to become? What am I calling in? When I was in my launch mode for the Academy of Breath, I was visualizing myself teaching to 30 plus people um, on Zoom and like really just like embodying the ease and the effortlessness uh, that I wanted to call into my business. Um, and then from there, it really depends. I do client calls. I have um, the Academy of Breath. I have a mastermind going on right now. Um, I'll create content. I'll work out. We like have everything at our house for the most part. Um, oh, nice. As, to to be able to work out, which has been nice because I really like you. We were kind of saying earlier, it's like this mind, body, soul type of thing, and so I think that movement is really important. Um, but you know, I gotta say that like I don't feel like I'm ever 
I don't feel overwhelmed anymore in my schedule. I don't, I don't do things just because I think I should do them. I like very, I I put my intuition and my feeling at the forefront of my business because for so long I didn't and it wasn't serving me. And since I have, my business has like exponentially grown in ways that I like can't even, almost can't even fathom. Um, So I'm just following what works for me and not, and trying to detach as much as I can from the shoulds of what other people are doing or getting so roped into, Ooh, they're working with this brand. So maybe I should reach out to them. I'm like right now in the position of like, this is working. This is great. I'm going to continue doing this and really approach each and every day from a place of how am I feeling? How can I give to my mind? How can I give to my body? What is it that I can do to serve my community today? And, um, acting from that place. I love that very much. I, it spoke to me a lot when you're saying about the shoulds because mm. in in the moment of COVID where we've been given this break and like calm right now where you don't have to do shit. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to. And actually it's suggested that you don't, you know? <laughs> so, and I've been really, um, I, I personally don't meditate. I've been trying with the Peloton apps, like fi- like kind of like plugging into their guides like once in a while but I have been thinking about it a lot. What am I going to take with me that I've learned through COVID? And what am I leaving? Who am I taking with me? Who am I leaving? Because you have this opportunity to create a space that normally may not be there, right? So if you're like spending a lot of time with people that you're like, oh, this friend's always here and I don't want to spend time with them, but I'm here because of so-and-so, like the middleman. And now I'm like, I don't want to put myself in those situations anymore. I don't want to have, because I should, or somebody else thinks that I should be spending time or going to this event or seeing this person. I don't want to do that anymore. So I like that. And you're able to like curate your life to be as beautiful as you want it to be and not allow chaos in. Yeah, 100%. I think that that's so beautiful. And I think so many of us are really waking up to what's important and what's just like noise and chaos and drama and not important anymore. Yeah, I'm over it. You know, (laughs) I'm like, now at a point where like, if I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, yo, you make me tired and I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's your body doesn't lie. Yeah, exactly. And maybe I tire some other people out, but I try my best not to, you know, I try <laughs> to be, be everyone's cup of tea. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be anyway. The question I was laughing at was Issa wrote down in our shared doc. Tell us about your dog. <laughs> Penelope, my little watermelon. <laughs> I was going to ask you earlier, but I knew the question was coming up later. Amazing. Um, Penny is the love of my life. I think she's directly underneath me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually got Penny when I, so I moved down to San Diego, was here for three months, like right after high school, had the worst living situation ever. These two girls from Modesto, California, um, were just absolutely awful. Like they would wear my clothes. They'd use my bathroom. They'd get sick in my bathroom. They'd eat my food, just all of these things. And I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm done. I literally, oh yeah. I picked up all of my stuff. They went home for Thanksgiving and my family came down, helped me move. I canceled the electricity, the cable, like everything that was in my name left that weekend and like was just gone. Um, good for you. Thank you. So anyways, um, (laughs) that's a boss move too. She loves that move. She's like, thank you very much. Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, -uh, I don't put up with shit. Um, yeah. Um, so I got back to LA, was living with my mom again. And, um, I was like, I really want a puppy. 
I really, really want a puppy. And um, she had another dog that we had gotten when I was in high school who was just so, so sweet, but so stupid, like was not potty trained <laughs> at all. Poor little Ruby was her name. Um, she, she definitely was, did not have all of her, all of her marbles up there. Um, and I was like, I really want a puppy. And then I saw on Craigslist um, a ad for a free puppy in Hollywood, free to a good home. And I saw this pup and it was a Cocker Spaniel. And I was like, oh my God, this this dog is so cute. And uh, I told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to go get a dog. And she's like, you can't get a fucking dog, Ava. This is my house. You literally just moved home. You are like, she, she's like, you're at your rock bottom. It was like <laughs> around the time that I got my DUI. And then also I had been like falsely or incorrectly um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder, with it, which is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took Ruby in the middle of the night, or I guess it was probably like eight o'clock at night, drove from my mom's house, which is in the suburbs of LA into Hollywood, picked up Penny. Her name was Nellie at the time. Um, the woman actually still follows me on Instagram and on, oh, on social wow. media. And she, and she always checks in. She's like, how's Nellie? I'm like, her oh. name's not Nellie anymore. <laughs> you read my post, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I picked her up and she was the sweetest thing ever. That weekend, I decided to go to Coachella. So I really pissed my mom off and she almost gave her up. <laughs> and uh and she ended up not giving her up I came home they had fully bonded over the weekend and um Penny has just been my little my little shining star throughout all of this that's really nice Issa loves a good puppy story I do oh yeah yeah I have one more question before we do our wrap up rapid fire questions um so I think it's pretty like obvious, I'm air quoting, like the best parts about being successful, right? Like you get to be your boss and like the money and like the just freedom and whatever. But like, what's been the hardest part of your success? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I think there's this like level of insatiation and like being not being fully satisfied that I've had to um, confront in a lot of ways of like, okay, when is it going to be enough? Mm. And, um, and can I be incredibly grateful and present right here and right now versus like really forward thinking, um, which is also important too, to make sure that you know, like what's coming next. So you don't get into a space of like lack and scarcity of where's the client going to come from or what's the next idea. And so there's this like really delicate balance between be grateful, be present. Um, don't, think too far ahead, but also, you know, have enough of a, of a runway in front of you that you don't get into this like fear mentality, which can totally like rock you off as well too. And so I think for me, it's really been the confronting the dissatisfaction at some levels that I've had and knowing that it's really important to stay grateful and to stay present and to honor each and every step along the way because they all are incredibly valuable. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, to depower that amazing um, ending that you just gave us, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vogue 73 questions. I am. So we do a five question wrap up okay, at the good. end of each episode. So she was like, oh. We're not going to be here for three days. <laughs> um, so Issa, why don't you start? I shall. <laughs> Is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. No. 
Okay. What's your guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, uh, it was Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, but I honestly, like, I let my freak flag fly, and I love those shows. So, <laughs> I think Tiger King, maybe. Yes. But if you like the, you said Bachelor, right? Too. That was the first yeah. one. Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Did you watch Listen to Your Heart? No, I didn't. Should I watch it though? Should I make the hubs watch it with me? You know, I don't know because I, I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask only because I don't watch The Bachelor, but I did watch Listen to Your Heart. I did listen to that <laughs> and, or I did watch that shit and I was entranced, but that doesn't say much because I'm like obsessed with the housewives. So, you know. Okay. Okay. I'll give it a try. <laughs> Next question. You're a flower. What are you and why? Bougainvillea because that was supposed to be my flower at my wedding and she got it wrong and I will forever have um a little salty spot for oh, that. Oh no, oh my god. Usually people are like, oh god, there's a good one. Let me think. And, and you, you knew were like, right away. I'll tell you, girl. <laughs> like <laughs> I got an open wound. <laughs> oh. I have to Google Bougainvillea. It's oh. like the Greek flower. It's I think it's a weed actually. It looks like leaves, but flowers. Yeah. Like it's pink beautiful. leaves. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's all over. And your wedding when you was get to California. stunning. So I don't even know what your problem is. I, I just wanted more peachy colors. It was very like white and neutral, which is kind of a reflection of like the rest of my life. But I wanted like the peachy, more like Mediterranean style colors. And it was, it was very, uh, very neutral. The one thing I've learned is that every single person has things that they wish they had or changed or whatever about their wedding. It's like, it's like a sickness. I don't know what it is. Um, okay. You can only eat one food for the rest of your life. What is it? <laughs> um, schnitzel, which is a traditional German dish. Oh, <laughs> that was random as fuck, Ava. Random as fuck. I will give it's, you props it's my for favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite. That's like what my dad and I used to cook when I was younger. It was schnitzel, parsley, potatoes and a cucumber gherkin salad. So that's like my go-to final meal, Gherkins. favorite meal. Gherkins. Do you, are, is there German food in San Diego? Yes, there is in Ocean Beach. I oh, will okay. take you there. Okay, we'll go. All right, East, bring it <laughs> our home. La- our last, our final, our favorite question. What is your vibe? Mm, my vibe. Okay, have you guys w- listened to, or excuse me, listened or read Untamed by Glennon Doyle yet? No, but you're like the third person this week I, that has I know, told me to read that. Too. So now I feel like I have to. Okay, read it. Um, my vibe is that of the goddamn cheetah. The goddamn cheetah. Yeah. What did, what did she say about it? it? Um, she tells a story about this cheetah that's in captivity and how it like was in captivity, but knew that there was more to life uh, um, than just being a cheetah in captivity. And it like, it's a whole story, but it's basically like a cheetah that's best friends with a, with a golden retriever or a lab or something. And so it has like, it's grown up in uh, as a lab, but it knows that it's a cheetah. And I think that that's a good um, reflection of like my own awakening of like untaming myself and reclaiming my power. And I think the power that I want all women to reclaim and unt- and tap into. And so, um, I butchered the story. She tells it so much more beautifully, but I'm a goddamn cheetah. As oh, I feel yeah. like that sounds like the tiger in Madagascar. Yeah. Is that the movie Madagascar where they escape the zoo and they get on the boat? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're the tiger in Madagascar. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, Ava, it's, Thank it you took so us much. too long to get here, but we so appreciate you coming on. Thank you so, so much. You are a beam of light. You are. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. 
Thank you for having me so much, truly. Um, my Instagram is at Ava Johanna. The podcast is uh, The Alchemized Life, which is probably everywhere that you can also listen to this podcast. Um, and my website is avajohanna.com. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Thanks so Thanks much. Again. Thank you.